Since 2017, the Trailcasters have brought the tastiest, most delicious Blazers podcast on the planet with guests ESPN's Kevin Pelton, motherfucking Lee Ellis, The Washington Post's Ben Gulliver, Trailblazers reporter Casey Holbaugh, Ape Duncan of the Dunk Dunk Podcast, Eric Garcia Gunderson of LeBron Wire, NBC Sports Northwest Jamie Hudson, Chris Burkhart, and Danny Murray. Eric Griffith and Tara Bowen Biggs of Blazers Edge, and that's not all. Also, with Brandon Scoop B. Robinson of Scoopy Radio, Dustin Haas and Dylan Sage of the Holy Backward Podcast, Michael Weisenberg of Rookie Wire, Varun Bose of Bleacher Report, Evan M., my girlfriend Cassie, Keith's wife Abby, Zora the Cat, and many more. Now, in 2019, the Trailcasters are celebrating 100 episodes in the most epic way possible. With your hosts, Keith Felder Smith and Brandon Goldner. And today's guest, Brian Freeman. Now, get ready for the 100th episode of The Trailcasters. Rip City, what is good? If you want to reach out to the Trailcasters, you always can. That's going to be at Trailcasters on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Emails work, trailcastersgmail.com. And we have a website, a brand new mobile-friendly, ad-free experience with writing, trailcasters.com. It's as simple as it gets. The intro, outro, and the interlude beats, including the intro beats. Join right now. We're brought to you by Odar. You can find his work at soundcloud.com slash Beats. And without too much more fuss, I want to introduce our guest, Brian Freeman. But before I do, I want to say a hearty, heartfelt, and sincere thank you to everybody who listens to the show you have no idea how amazing it is that all of you get the same amount of joy listening to the show as we get doing it i feel super lucky to work with someone as talented as keith he's been a good friend through thick and thin dozens of shows dozens of guests technical difficulties deleted episodes all sorts of shit has happened you have no idea how much money we plunked into this thing but it's so much fun and hopefully we're gonna be doing it for hundreds and hundreds more but seriously wanted to say thank you all of you are the reason why we do this all of you are the reason why we do this, period. There's no other reason to do it other than we think hopefully we're sharing a little bit of our love for the Blazers to other people, and it's a community which is made up of so many different folks, people like me who are super weird, people like Keith who are super talented, people like you who enjoy good Blazers content. It really is incredible, and jokes aside, seriously, thank all of you. It really, it's 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 amazing. It's It's humbling. It's weird. It's really cool. So without further ado, Let's get to our guest, the amazing, the immaculate, the guy who will someday play me one-on-one and probably lose, Brian Freeman. On the day, September 24th of 2017, Brandon and Keith, we had done three episodes. Uh, and yes, I did refer to us as the third person, whatever, get over it. Uh, we had done three episodes previously. Uh, and I don't think we'd even met yet, Brandon. I don't think you and I had even met face-to-face yet at this point. So three episodes in, on our fourth episode, our first guest. We introduced him as an eight-year basketball veteran who played for Tarb in France, retired in uh, the 16-17 season, and now writes for Blazers Edge. Uh, things have happened since then, which we'll let him get to. But we discussed Mello coming to Portland. We discussed Noah Vonley's injury. How like how about time flying through all that stuff, right? How long ago was that? I was so incredibly nervous, by the way, too, being our first guest and, the, you know, again, a veteran pro player and all this. Now, uh, on our 100th episode, this is your fifth appearance on the Trailcasters, t- uh, making it 
a three-way tie for first place with you, uh, Mikey V and Evan M. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, Brian motherfucking Freeman. How are you, man? Hey, I'm doing, man. Doing well, uh, gentlemen. Uh, man, congratulations. 100 episodes. That's, that's a, a round of applause in need of right there. Um, woo! Appreciate, appreciate being the first and appreciate being number 100. Um, it's an honor, fellas. Brian, I didn't, I didn't realize you'd change your middle name. That's, that's quite the shift there. <laughs> it's always been like that. I just don't really tell that many people. Just basically, <laughs> only Keith. That's smart. <laughs> Got to use discretion. <laughs> well, yeah, man. I uh, know it's it's an honor to have you back on. Uh, it had to be you for 100th episode, so I'm glad we lined this up. Uh, and yeah, I just want to say again, uh, you, Mikey V, and Evan M, obviously three of our, our biggest, most animate guests. You guys are the leaders right now uh, at five. But just want to throw in here, too, we have had 39 total guests so far, 22 episodes with no guests, just between Brandon and I or someone doing a solo, uh, two or three in-game recordings, one live show, and... Brian, you know, you, you started us off and, and you're bringing us all the way here, dude. So thank you, sir. No, thank you guys. Appreciate appreciate the opportunity to be here. I think the most important stats, though, is that Brian has been paid zero dollars for his appearances. <laughs> and, and the Trailcasters right now, if you go through all the money that we spend on hosting and our website and stuff, we're about negative $600 in the hole still. So I, fe- oh, I feel God. like that's where we should focus for the next hundred. Let's try to get above water if we can. <laughs> That'd be great. So we funny, I'm you guys out right now on these on these um, <laughs> episodes. Because <laughs> we're definitely right, right. only doing this for the money. I mean, that's the only yeah. reason why we're doing any of this. <laughs> we are we are capitalists, and this is a for-profit industry. Uh, but <laughs> actually, let's talk about uh, the industry we are here to talk about, the NBA. They have been making some changes. I discussed on recent episodes uh, the challenge flags. Are they making uh, any I... money yet? Is the NBA making money at this point? You know, there, there's there's some NBA teams I would probably try and tell you they're in the red that they are that they're below the line. But uh, you know, maybe oh, that's I'd the thing. love maybe to we... spend 30 minutes on that. <laughs> uh, we don't need to get Brian though. He's going to end up asking for a collective collective bargaining agreement with us, trying to get a piece of this uh, this fat check. But <laughs> oh, you know the uh, the Ringer podcast they just unionized, and actually the Ringer voluntarily recognized their union, which I thought was a good move by Bill Simmons, by the way. But Brian, please, you and the guests don't unionize. We can't afford it. It's just not the right time. <laughs> We're not there yet. Okay, this time next year we'll have a different conversation. But okay. Ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> okay, I guess uh, the sixth appearance of Brian Freeman will have to wait a whole another 365 days. Uh, <laughs> so the uh, as far as uh, let's get the actual topics though. The NBA. We are here to discuss the NBA, not just blow ourselves up for having done this and covered the NBA for two years, going on for another hundred, uh, not hundred years. I don't think we'll be here for that much. But uh, you don't want to do the, the podcast NBA. with your head in a glass jar. I think that sounds like fun. I have like that little that, robot body, you know? Maybe we should, man. Do you think the – I think that the change the NBA will go through by the next 100 years. And that's actually, again, what I'm trying to segue back to here. Well, this would be perfect because at that through. point, oh. no, Keith could be the <laughs> robot referee that Keith wants to see in the yes. NBA now. Because we know that Keith – he doesn't want to see actual humans have jobs doing the officiating. Keith is pro-robot. He wants those jobs taken away from people. He just wants everything <laughs> to be automated. It's just automated Keith over here. Anyway, do you like uh, how autom- I'm pulling you off topic? At every possible turn. Every possible one, man. Again, I would expect nothing less for our 100th episode. All right. Stop distracting me. That's enough. I want to actually talk about the NBA. Uh, they have been making a lot of changes. I mentioned the challenge flags thing that we have brought up, uh, that I have brought up in previous episodes, uh, wanting to get more towards these robot refs that you mentioned, Brandon, uh, get more towards correct and accurate officiating. But one other thing the NBA is doing for next season is requiring every team, I believe, to have a mental health professional. I love this. We've heard a lot of stuff over 
the last maybe season or two from players like Kevin Love, DeMar DeRozan, many others. Uh, and even before that, there's been issues from, uh, I believe it was Royce White, who we can talk about later in relation to the Lakers and some stuff going on down there. But there have been issues with players uh, feeling like their mental health needs are not being met. And after speaking out about it, after we've seen more of these players kind of say that this is an issue for them, the NBA is doing something about it. And I am... I'm sure all of us are on the same page about this, but I am a huge fan. Uh, Brandon or Brian, do either of you guys want to kind of... Uh, Brian, let's start with you. Like, do you, you want to add anything as far as your opinion of this? Or if, with your experience in your playing days, was there any time where you really felt like this could have been a, a big thing for you? Um, I, I didn't really have a whole lot of... Um a lot of circumstances where I dealt with there, I felt like any of my teammates kind of dealt with that, at least from what I could tell, you know, everybody's kind of got their own battle. So I wasn't exactly exposed to it, but this is, this is clearly a win-win for, for everybody all across the board. Obviously the players get some, um, you know, they get looked at like, Oh, you, you're famous and you make a lot of money. What do you have to be sad about? Which is just completely ignorant. You know, everybody's got their own issues. Um, you know, they're getting booed and having people, you know, digesting every little second of their lives, you know, and no amount of money can, can, can really, uh, uh, make up for that, you know, so they, they do have their difficulties and it's good that the players now can get an outlet can get some help, but also it's good for the teams themselves, you know, kind of looking at it selfishly for them. It's, they're better off with their players not being depressed than getting some of those positions handled. Let me let me add in here too. Jeremy Lin was another player I think most recently that we've heard talk about this kind of stuff. He mentioned feeling like he's uh, hit rock bottom, and uh, a lot of people, myself included, made some comments that I think kind of like what you're referencing about as far as his money and how can this be rock bottom and. I, I think, you know, there, there are certain other discussions to be had about kind of the commentary he makes and, and some of that kind of perspective, but you are absolutely right that there is there is no bearing, money has no bearing on mental health and your, uh, if, if someone is fighting with depression or other things, it's, I think it's an absolute excellent move uh, towards 21st century and just kind of being the most progressive sports league we've seen, I think, uh, the NBA and keeping keeping this in there. Yeah, and it's been great to hear, and we've talked about it before, but especially players, like you said, Kevin Love, CJ McCollum on the Pull Up podcast, he often will yes. make time every episode to talk with his guests about what is it that you're doing to manage your mental health, meditation, and things like that. And I'll just say, for me personally, I started going to therapy last year when I had some difficult circumstances, and I'm continuing to go because it's so unbelievably helpful, and I will admit that I was one of those people who thought, well, I'm really good at changing. I'm, you know, I'm very self-reflective, or so I thought. You know, I don't need to go to a mental health specialist. I was stigmatizing mental health treatment in my own mind without really realizing it and how helpful it's been for me. And the way I think about it, it's like, look, like if I'm running every day and I'm doing wind sprints yeah. and I'm doing hills, like why wouldn't you find other strategies to help with the way that you process emotions, the ways you process thoughts? If you have a goal that you'd like to meet, there are different ways you can meet that goal. And mental health is a huge part of that. So for me, yes, I'm very, very happy to see the NBA is taking a more serious look at this. And I think that I think some of the comments we had um, that I saw on Twitter were, it's great that these mental health professionals are on retainer. Let's make them a part of the permanent paid staff on team. I mean, you think about the NBA with, with rookies, they have financial advice, you know, they have, you know, how to make sure that you're managing your money and, and your, and your media stuff properly. So this will be more of a conversation as time goes on. It's very, very good to see. Yeah, and uh, I just want to say as well, you mentioned, uh, Bren, uh, that you uh, go to a therapist. Is that what you said? Yeah. Uh, is that how you phrase it? Yes. Um, 
I have not gone, but is one thing that I've I, I need to, I, I need to change that, and I don't think I stigmatize it like you said, as far as not thinking to be value valuable. I recognize the value, and I've had family and loved ones that have uh, experienced it themselves, and I I think it's something that more people should get involved in, like you said, the same way that we uh, physically work out our body and make sure we stay conditioned that, in that sense. I think it's a, a good thing just to kind of, yeah, just just checks and balances to make sure that we are all in the right place. And if there's anything you're struggling with that you don't know how to express to someone, it's somewhere that you can get those things out as well. And I think, Brandon, you, you kind of hit on the um, nail on the head there when you're talking about kind of other things that, that these um, mental health, health professionals can help out with. It's not just depression. You know, it's not like every single NBA player is going through, through depression right now. Right. You know, these mental health professionals may be able to look at somebody and be like, Hey, something's off. And I notice you're kind of acting this way where the player may have no idea that anything is wrong and feel on top of the world, but there's always ways you can prove that uh, improve. There's always things you can do mentally to, to put you up, put you in a better spot, both on the basketball court and off of it. You know, it's just, you're just happier in a better spot. Yeah, so, for sure. Everybody- and, you know, I think that's a good point. There's like a, you know, a spectrum of ways that, that people are affected by their own thoughts and biases. I'll, I'll slide in one more quick thing, not to go too much on this, but for me, thinking about what you just said, it's been helpful for me to recognize when things happen in my life, and maybe you guys or maybe some listeners can agree or, or, or can connect with this. There are stories that I tell myself, like if something happens, I'm sometimes very quick to say, oh, like it's because of me or it's my fault, that kind of thing. The stories that we tell ourselves can can make us super stressed out and not really realize it. So we could just be like living our lives, something could happen, and then it sort of gets that narrative in your head rolling. The more and more that you're aware of what those narratives are, the more you can recognize and even just think about, well, is that actually true or is that just something that I tell myself? And that can help lower your stress level. And so again, and like you said, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a pressing mental health crisis. It can't just be your day-to-day life gets easier and gets better. So all this is just to say good on the NBA, really good to see. Um, and like you said, Keith, the most progressive sports league uh, in America, very, very proud to be an NBA fan right now. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's a good place to be for him. Uh, let's actually talk about another way that the NBA is kind of keeping things fresh and, and making some changes. Uh, the Blazers are celebrating their 50th anniversary. And how about that? Let's talk about not just the uh, the showcaster's 100th episode, but another uh, nice celebration that's coming up is the 50th anniversary for the, for the Blazers. Yeah, and I think the they, 50th anniversary is almost as important as our 100th episode. Almost up there. You know, the, the, the number's half as big. I, I think it's, it's almost as good as our thing, but, you know, <laughs> the it's a big deal. Close second. <laughs> Was that? The close second, yeah. Yeah, close second. yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, anyway, uh, the Blazers, though, the other week, they put out a video <clears throat> of a special court for a special season, I believe is how they put it. And they're, I think they're playing this, the new floor, they're playing this with this all season, uh, starting in the preseason with the game in the Memorial Coliseum against Denver. Brian, have you heard about that game as well, the preseason coming up? The, the first game of the preseason, they're playing against Denver in the Memorial, uh, Memorial Coliseum, not the Rose Garden. The, the old building that we played in before with the, the glass box, as, as they had it, uh, they called it. Um, if you've it never, I'm, I don't know if you've ever been out here for a game back in the day for that stuff, but yeah, it's the, I'm, I'm definitely going to that game. I'm super stoked on it. Anyway, the, the court, though, is what we're talking about. For the preseason and all through the uh, regular season, the home games, they're playing on this fresh new court. It's got, if I remember right, I think it's white in the key and red half circle above it, or is it the other way around? 
And then uh, just the that that parquet wood all the way the rest through. I love this look, man. I think it's really nice. You have a really nice kind of old font, uh, old kind of like throwback retro font for the uh, the blazers riding on on the floor as well. Lowercase, yeah, all lowercase, everything. I like it. Yeah, okay, exactly, exactly. Uh, wh- where does this rank for you, Brian? As far as uh, floors you've seen recently, are you are you stoked on this one? Do you think you're gonna try and come see a game uh, on this court here? Oh, definitely. I, I at least got to, you know, I moved out to Idaho, but I still get out there and see a couple of games. Um, but one thing like the courts, the courts great. Obviously I'm going to be extremely biased by saying it's, you know, my excitement for it is, is, you know, very, very bias heavy. But I think one of the cool things about it is just how much effort they put into it. I mean, the big 50 in the, is as the center logo, like this isn't just some little logo in the corner that you can, you're barely going to see. They went front and center. Like this was a big, this is a big deal to them. And you know, it's a big deal to us, you know, and it, it matters. So right? are, you, are we thinking that the you know, 50th anniversary, you got the court, they're playing the game at Memorial, which is awesome. And by the way, just you said it, Keith, the big glass box. I hope that they pull back the curtains so that you can see right. outside, which is like, how unique is that, that you can see the outside? Brian's making a face right here. You don't like that. You don't like that idea? Playing in, a, playing in a court with windows is my least favorite thing ever. But they're way really? up there. It's not gonna, You're worried about the glare on the court? Well, yeah, it's it's not like it's all the way to the floor. It's not like it's a. Uh, it's not like the players are going to be kind of like seen out the way. But as far as like the fans in there, you just have a really nice kind of what kind of a, a skyline view of the city outside. I mean, that's that's dangerous when you start getting close to sunset. You can get a reflection in. Um, that's home court advantage, bro. Come on. <laughs> no, that's fair. The fan, I, I, the fans can have the little compact mirrors and start like bending the light towards the court to flash in the opposing players' eyes. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Right. No, so. That's- Okay, fair, uh, fair criticism, but my point was that the Blazers are going to be doing other things for their 50th anniversary. Had a question for you two. Let me ask you this, Brian. Do you think the Blazers are going to have like an extra special jersey for this 50th anniversary season? And if so, what would you like to see it be? Ooh, I mean, my dream jersey has always been what I thought they were going to put out there when they announced plaid jerseys. That's a, you know because they came out with the plaid, but it's kind of dull and you're not dull, but it's like just really faint plaid. Subtle. Yeah, you couldn't tell it was plaid unless somebody told you it was plaid and you went close to look at it. Right. I, I pictured a little bit more um, flamboyant uh, plaid, I guess I could say. You know, something that's a little bit more out there. That's what I thought they were going to do, and I was ready to pre-order one. Um, yeah, be my ideal jersey. Uh, but I assume they'll do something. Just the fact that they went, you know, this has been a, this is as I said. The Portland Trailblazers have made this a really big deal. I mean, look in the center logo of their court. So I'd be surprised if there wasn't a jersey to, to go with it. And I completely agree, too. When that jersey came out, I wanted at least more of like a solid red line in there that you could, like you're saying, could see from a distance, like some sort of just black and red plaid. Maybe we do see something like that. Uh, I know I saw something online recently as well, kind of looking at a couple different Rip City models and asking fans, like, which one is your favorite? So maybe they're trying to kind of survey and get that in there. But the court, too, like you said, as far as... Uh, they're really trying to do this special. The fact that they're keeping it for all 41 home games, I feel like is kind of a big deal. Cause normally when you see these kind of special celebration courts, it's going to be for only a special game or a few games over the season. Uh, I, I I'm, I'm pretty stoked on that, but do you think it's going to wear on fans at all? Or do you think having that, that 50 in the middle? And I think it's basically the O of the, like, a is, is the pinwheel. Is that right? So they're like really highlighting that out in the middle. Do you think that's going to be something that fans like really buy into or is something maybe, maybe people get jaded on a little bit? 
I think the only way that people won't like it is if the Blazers don't have a good season. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, it's a 50, it's 50 win season. Come on. We got to get 50 wins on this. I want to, uh, and I want to point uh, out one more thing about the court too, that came from at least it, it jogged my thinking about it from Eric Griffith of your colleague at Blazers edge, Brian. Um, he was talking about how the court, the look and the feel harkens back to that 77 championship season. But when you actually look at the pictures of the court from that time, it was orange. And I don't know if either one of you two caught that, but the court the Blazers played Wait, on. What? Yeah, exactly. When they when they won the championship in 77, the court at Memorial was mostly orange, which doesn't make sense now, didn't make sense then. And I'm glad that the uh, Blazers, yeah, you should, you should Google it and look it up. Just Google, right yeah, now. Google 1977 NBA Finals yeah. and you'll see pictures of Memorial with the orange court. And it's like, and his point is a good one, that he appreciates that the Blazers designers, that they went for the... The, the kind of the spirit of the branding at the time, rather than take it literally, if they had had an orange court, I probably would have been pissed. So good job blazers. But wow, on, the, on the old court though, they had the orange key, right? And now they went white key. Right. But it's yeah. just like why orange has never been a color of anything. You know what I mean? It's always been red, black, and white. Like it's just, it's a, it was a, I guess maybe there is, it'd be interesting to know if there's somebody at the time who, uh, who, who could speak to it. Was it just that they just, they did it just to do it. Was it for contrast purposes? Maybe like early television cameras. Like, I don't know why they would have made it orange, but yeah, that's actually what I was starting to wonder. I wonder if it's not actually orange in real life, but because of the, the strange hue that we're seeing on television, because all the court uh, pictures I'm seeing have kind of that kind of yellow old TV tint to them. But you're definitely right that like the, the key itself looks like it's, if it's a red at all, it definitely looks pretty orange in there. And then at the very center of the, of the court too, it's kind of like an orange ball going around. I just can't quite read what that is. Well, and just to, just to be clear, what I meant to say was maybe it was orange because it provided better contrast for the cameras. When you look at yeah. photos from there, it was definitely orange. That's not just a really? trick. Yeah, for sure. Crazy. Huh, man, I'm gonna have to like try and find more pictures of that. That's really strange. There you um, go. Yeah, I mean, it could just be something like some standard from back in the day, just something they hadn't really, they hadn't really got into the branding and the marketing yet, you know, as far as like getting all the individual courts painted up. Now, one, one more thing though, from that court I want to talk about, I would love to have seen some version of the weird multicolor um, center circle that it's like this weird kind of seventies funky yeah. starburst. Like that would have been cool, but I, I understand like we got to go a little bit more subtle. So anyway, that's a lot of talk about the Blazers course. They probably just looked at the old court. Then last thing, they probably just looked at it like, okay, it's a court. They probably never, thought like, <laughs> yeah. never thought anything. This is a basketball court. Right. Yeah. Ah, the boys will be able to play on this. Yeah, totally. There you go. The, the orange basketball. They're like, hey, make it orange. It makes sense. Yeah, totally. All right, so. Let's move on from the court, though. I want to talk about the, the players that are going to play on the court, the Blazers roster in particular. Uh, Brian, you had had a tweet. Let's see. When was this from? August 5th, so a little while ago. Uh, but it's aged pretty well, man. This brought up some really good discussion, so it's still worth bringing up. You compared kind of player to player on players that uh, went out and players that came in uh, to the new roster here. You said Aminu, greater than Bazemore. Cantor, greater than Whiteside. Curry, greater than Hazonia. Harkless, greater than Little. Layman, greater than Tolliver and Turner greater than Gasol. Anyone disagree with any of this? I, I, I think there, it's safe to say there's been some disagreement. Not saying you don't have a point on some of the players too. And even as uh, Jared Cowley, shout out to another friend of the show. He brought in some plus minus numbers right off the top. And then he tried to, you know, kind of gave some true false. You guys went back and forth on that a little bit, but give us some breakdown of this. Kind of give us uh, exactly what your perspective is for, for these kind of greater less thans. And then let's, uh, let's talk about this. Cause I, I'm, I gotta say, I disagree. I'm pretty a big fan of the roster change we made. I think we got a good season coming. 
And, and I think that was kind of um, one of the reasons for it, because I think there was a lot of um, excitement saying, man, we got a lot better. We brought in a lot more talent, and we're going to be a lot better. Um, and I like a lot of the moves the Blazers did, but I think when you look at it from an overview, um, I don't think you brought in more talent than, than you lost. And I think that's kind of what this tweet, tweet was. And if you compare the stats to from Aminu last year to Basmore, I mean, it's, it's not close. Aminu's way better. And I know they're not position by position. It was kind of just making a point more than it was um, really trying to dive into, into numbers. Um, the canter to white side ones, the only one that people have kind of been, that I've gotten some pushback at that, and there's some, some merit to it. I think That's understandable. Yeah. I think just like where, where people see those players, it seems probably kind of blasphemous a little bit, but yeah, sorry. Continue. Um, not, I think you would, you would rather have canters last three years over white sides last three years and Whiteside just had his worst year, um, in the last five of last year. I mean, he was basically not playing, playing like 20 minutes a game for a team that was trying to win with a great coach. Um, his, but the thing about it is his, um, his numbers, I think were, were a little better and his overall talent, I think is way better. The campus just kind of has that hustle, kind of that, um, you know, that energy that for me, for me makes him a better player and somebody I'd like to have more. But I get the argument that Whiteside's um, advanced stats are a little better. So let me ask you this. Like, I, I think when you're going position by position, your take is fair. doesn't mean you have to agree with it, but I think that you can get there relatively easily. But uh, maybe part of what needs to be thought about is the opportunity costs of not allowing other players to play last year slash their potential for development slash whatever magic fairy dust Terry Stotts has to make underperforming players play better. I think about Aminu had his best years of his career here in Portland. Harkless had his best years of career here in Portland. So let me ask you this, Brian, when you think about maybe Simons takes a step forward and is ready for some more responsibility and people, let's not even talk about how he's being overhyped because he is, I'm excited for him too, but blah, blah, blah. Okay. He takes a step forward. Maybe Zach Collins takes a step forward. And then you think about, well, what if Whiteside in his contract year, he really locks in and Damian Lillard's leadership really helps and Stotts really helps him out. The same thing maybe with Hazonia as like a former lottery pick who had all these expectations has really worked out. So when you think about those things, uh, not just the players in, players out, but player development and then the possibility that people will play better here in Portland than they did elsewhere. Do you think with all of that in mind, do you think that the Blazers are, are better than they were last year? Um, I'm just curious your thoughts on that. I think they're, they're definitely, they're way better the start of this year than they were the start of last year. And it's not close. I think that there's a huge gap. I think where the questions start coming in, are they better the beginning of this year than they were the end of last year? Cause then you're, you know, you're adding in Rodney hood and Enos Cantor who are good players, you know, probably the, well, like we could say they were the third and fourth best players in the team last year after, um, Hark went or after Nurk went out. That's pretty fair. So, um, it all depends on how you look at it. I don't actually know if the Blazers will be better or worse. I mean, that kind of wasn't the point of this. The point of this was just kind of people were talking about, man, we got way better. We got a lot better. We brought in so much more talent, you know, and it's kind of like, well, I like a lot of the moves we did. Um, you know, like I like Basmore for Turner. I've been, I've been pushing for that for three years, you know, but we lost Aminu for nothing. And Aminu has been right. uh, over the last five years, been probably the fourth best player on the team. We lost him for nothing. We didn't bring anybody in as good as he, as good as he was. No, I, I, I you're making an absolutely valid point on that too. And I think that's definitely something that we need to make sure we don't gloss over too quick. I, I do think I, I'm looking forward to the season. I like what the roster changes have been, but the idea that we once again, let 
one of our better players, uh, and obviously, you know, another power forward, a second power forward, walk away for nothing doesn't seem like a good track record. It doesn't seem like a good move. Um, and while we did bring in a lot of players that I'm excited about, Hozonia is not a proven player at all, right? And Little is not a proven player at all. So to be losing talent and bringing back guys that are kind of a gamble, whether they have better potential or not, doesn't. it's not really a a recipe for uh, consistency or efficiency, I guess. It's, it's not a guaranteed thing. Well, okay, uh, I, I had my hand up, but so did Brian. Brian, why don't you go, and then I'll go after <laughs> who you. Who buzzed in? Oh, so, and I was going to say, another person, what about Curry? I mean, Curry's the exact same right. thing. Was there, you know, played a lot. He was crunch time in a guy last year. We lost for nothing. So, yeah, you look at the ads we had, you know, Whiteside, okay, cool. I was excited about that trade. Great. The Basmore for Turner trade, I was really excited about that trade. It's a great trade. When we drafted Little, awesome. When we drafted, or when we picked up Hizonia, awesome. But we also lost really talented guys, probably more talented guys. Go ahead, Brandon. I want to add into this, but yeah, you're up first. Well, so I think that part of this too, so you have the, it's not players in, players out only. Sorry, still getting over a cold. It's not just the players in, players out. You also have player development and then the possibility people get better in there in Portland. But then you also have a couple more elements the roster flexibility. So you talk about how the, the tools a team has at its disposal, given the timing of free agency and whether it would have been prohibitive to bring back a player like Aminu at the number that he wanted, whether that contract would have been movable, whether that contract would have prevented the Blazers from making other moves that they made that maybe they think better position themselves later this year to make a move. And the biggest thing for me is the Myers Leonard and Mo Harkless turning into Hassan Whiteside and that experience inspiring deal i i strongly think i strongly think that that something is going to happen with that this year and i'm not saying that if it doesn't it's a huge yes and i'm not saying that if it doesn't it's a huge disaster but that gives you the possibility of combining that giant contract with another player with another contract and you can do a two for one whereas if you were trying to do myers and mo and something else that just and and by the way Whiteside's contract is larger than the sum of Myers and Moe's contract. So, and, right. and, and this all leads to all this stuff about Kevin Love. I mean, he's been Instagramming from Lake Oswego. He was on oh, CJ's boy. podcast. <laughs> they were talking about poor. He's talking about, oh, I love Nike so much. Oh, I felt so bad that one year that I did the Reebok summer camp. And oh, I, I betrayed all my people at Nike and I should have blah, blah, blah. Because I wanted to play. <laughs> Greg Oden was in high school doing the Reebok camp. But, but I think the Kevin Love stuff has got, got some legs to it. But. All this is to say that when you're looking at these moves, it's not just talent in, talent out. And it's not just player development and the possibility people get better. It's also roster flexibility. And because of all of those things, I think that the Blazers are better positioned to be a better team now than they were at the beginning of the summer. And let me add, too, not just roster flexibility, but roster kind of freshness, I guess. I'm not trying to think of exactly how to put it, but players... Obviously, most uh, Blazer fans, uh, the the whole Myers Leonard thing uh, and the controversy around him. I love Myers. I'm not going to hate on him him at all. Evan Turner was the same way though. There was a lot of kind of just you know disregard for what he could do for a team. There was a lot more kind of like maybe like un uh, uncredible hate, I guess, uh, for for what he was doing. And I feel like maybe that's a factor here too. Is that fans in general had just gotten tired of these players? Maybe what they could bring, what they couldn't bring to the roster. Where now we have players in here who how long has it been that Portland has been trying to get a real, you know, uh, dynamic power big man? And Nurk is awesome, but having someone now that we can kind of like everyone in the NBA recognizes as a talent in Whiteside, or at least the name value of him. Uh, the same way with Bazemore, just the idea of shooting more threes is something we've heard about that the roster needs and has been hunting for. So getting that 
wear fancy in place of Evan Turner. Uh, you know, it's it, I can see where the excitement comes from, but also I, I think you have a totally valid point that this isn't a guaranteed thing. It's not. This is not just like you know overall flat out. Uh, yes, the roster is better, and like Brandon pointed out too on the other pod, we can't guarantee a 50-win season here. As much as I think the 50th anniversary puts it in there, we're locked in for 50 wins. Scoopy said the same thing last week. Uh, but yeah, it's it's not guaranteed, and this roster is not what? necessarily Who's yet. saying the Blazers are getting 50 wins this year in this West? Scoop said, Scoop said, hey, man, listen, listen to last week's pod. We just, uh, me and Scoop at the end of it, he said that... Uh, the, Wait a minute. Time out. Brian, do you think the Blazers <laughs> have a chance at 50 wins this year? A chance, a chance, he said. Yeah, definitely. Of course they have a chance. You think they have a chance? All right, all right. Yeah, there we are. Not where my money it's goes. But they certainly have a chance, of course. You have Dan yeah. on your team. You have Terry Stotts. You got a, you got a chance. Wow. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, so we, Keith and I you still have. Wait, wait, wait. You think there's no chance they get 50? Uh, I'm going to hold my answer for a second because I need to go through Keith and I are going to do like a comprehensive looking at all the moves in the West. My, my first thought is the West has so much talent. It's going to, it's going to compress all of the really good teams into this very tight band that I think will lock the Blazers out of getting 50 wins. So yeah, I'm just going to, I'm going to withhold my answer. I just don't think it, I, I, I think many years like, Oh sure. Yeah. They have a chance. I think this year it's like, uh, you got to really think about that just because of how much talent there is. Okay. I want to swing back to the, to the win total, but I, I have a number of other questions I want to get to here. I've been asking a number of our guests recently over the summer here, uh, just kind of these things. And the idea is to get, you know, we can kind of dive into these a little bit, but it doesn't have to be huge topics, but I want to get the, uh, the answers from a number of different guests and we'll look back, maybe get you on midway through the season, kind of see how things have changed or, you know, what things you got right. So we'll, come back to the win total and kind of over-unders, but first question. Wait, wait, really quick, Keith. I'm sorry to interrupt. I know. Can we get to the question I talked about before we started recording as it relates to another team in the West and a move? Yes. Oh, no, yeah. Lead it. Yeah. Okay, just, we don't have to spend too much time on this, but I just, I have to report just get these ones out of the way. You know, I, I yeah. don't want to talk about these guys too. This, this is a blazer pod. Okay. Oh, for sure. But, but I, <laughs> I have to say this cause this is incredible. You talk about the West Sham Sharania is reporting that there is quote mutual interest between the Los Angeles Lakers and Dwight Howard, Dwight oh. Howard, Brian, I have to get your initial reaction on this. The Lakers and Dwight Howard, a marriage made in absolute heaven. What, <laughs> what do you, what do you make of, of this? What do you make of this mutual interest report? I would be really, really surprised to hear if this had, if the Lakers had any interest in this for other reasons, other than it's splashy and a big name. I mean, if yes. they wanted to, because I think what, what Dwight Howard's been doing over the last two or three years, and he was a he was a great player. Um, he fell off a lot. Hall of he's, Famer? You think he's a Hall of Famer? Yes, he's a Hall of Famer. Okay. Um, but over the last two or three years, he's like barely a, on an NBA roster type player. I mean, you can get those guys all. I mean, Costa Kufos, I don't think he has a team right now. Like you can find just journeyman big man if you just need somebody to plug up the middle which is about all Dwight Howard's going to do at this time and you can do it with players that are not going to I mean let's let's call it what it is Dwight Howard brings some drama with him right maybe a little bit uh, (laughs) I don't know why you prefer to have somebody that's you know maybe got below average ability at this point below edge of effect on your team and is also going to be a negative effect on your locker room opposed to somebody else And, and big men are so easy to find like getting a if you need a big man you're just you can just go get one. Like there's, they're all over the place, right? Yeah. I mean, I, and you said it earlier where it's like Dwight Howard is a name and I just, I mean, I, okay, here's the thing. I don't like the Lakers as a Blazers fan. I'm contractually obligated to never like the Lakers. So (laughs) we all all hate the Lakers. Agreed. Right. We all hate the Lakers. 
And the fact that the Lakers are now going to be good again makes it easy. It's hard to hate a team when they're really, really bad and you just feel bad about yourself. But now we can feel good about hating them again. I would love nothing more <laughs> than to see Lakers fans rationalizing with all the shit they talked about Dwight Howard when he was there for a year and they had the SI cover with him and Steve Nash. And this is going to be fun. And it wasn't fun at all. And then they had the billboards that were asking him to stay and he didn't stay. And he was talking shit about Kobe Bryant, who is deified in the Lakers franchise from top to from genie bus all the way down to like the lowest Lakers fan possible Overrated. to see them justify Dwight Howard being on their team would just mwah, chef's kiss. I would love to see it. Keith, would you like go to see on. this? Oh yeah, go for it. <laughs> the, yeah, go ahead. the one knock I have to say on it. The one thing that makes me sad about that situation, it's poor boogie cousins, man. I just feel yeah, so dude. Yeah, that sucks. So really? that's kind of the thing that's like, eh, but well, and it's, I mean, it's really hard. I mean, think about his left leg. He had the Achilles on the left side. Then he had the quad on the left side. Now the ACL on the left side. And we know. That, I didn't realize that all on his left leg. I did not yeah. That. That, and Damn. that's the, that's the part about it where it's, if you have a major injury, it, yeah. the, the, the chain of muscles and tendons and ligaments, I mean, they can all be affected. And that seems, I mean, I'm not a doctor, but that seems to, to be playing a pretty strong, uh, a, a strong role here. And it sucks. And, Man, how hard he worked and how, like, I mean, he was fine. I mean, Boogie Cousins, not just went too much time on, but he was finally getting to the point. He, he, was, he was in for a big payday. He had finally been moved from a franchise that he hadn't been in, like, the playoffs with. He goes to the Pelicans. He gets to be this huge thing. Then the Achilles happens. And, the, and it's just like, then he's getting to play in the finals of the Warriors. It's just the whole, I mean, man, it's just, yeah, I feel bad for him, too. Okay, so let me give. I'm gonna give one more little piece of a, a, a Lakers, Lakers feed here uh, before we get back onto the Blazers. As stuff. long as it's negative, then we're good. It is. I have repeated okay. <laughs> this hot take already, and I think I blew AQ's mind the other day. Shout out to him on the pod when I said this. Uh, I think the Lakers very well could miss the playoffs entirely. I don't think – I think the roster is too too top-heavy, uh, especially now that they're missing Boogie. Uh, I don't see Dwight Howard – like you said, I don't see Dwight Howard as the same player. I'm not saying they're guaranteed to miss the playoffs, but I think if LeBron misses any games, uh, any significant games, AD can't run the offense on his own. I don't think the you're hating on Alex is, Caruso right now. <laughs> I'm just I'm saying like well, we've been talking about how much thicker the West is, how how stacked it is, how it's gonna be hard for any teams to reach 50 or how, too many teams to reach 50 in the West. I don't think the Lakers. I think they're one of the more fragile teams out there. I think too many things could happen where it's just gonna take a little bit to derail them. And I am going to absolutely revel in it when they come in like ninth or tenth place. And and AD has already said too that he's not guaranteeing to stick with them if they don't do well. Oh so man, I love the idea that if they get like tenth place and he just bolts to what Dallas or something else. I don't know. That would be if the Lakers missed the playoffs and then AD just bounced and the Lakers gave up all their draft picks for the next 50 years and he just It'd leaves. Man, that would be... And by the one last thing on the Lakers, we were talking about a lot. A lot, a lot. <laughs> the thing is, like, Dr. Jerry Buss ran that team with a vision and a purpose for a long time, and they had a ton of success. This is a really good example of why nepotism and just giving something to your kids to do maybe isn't the best idea in the whole world. Because, I mean, I'm not trying to say that their management is completely incompetent. Look, they, they're doing a better job than I'd be able to do, no doubt about no, no, no. it. I, I will say... They, I said this the other day on the pod too. Uh, this is the worst run team in the last five years in the NBA. The Knicks are doing better than the Lakers have in the last five years. As far really? as like the, the moves they made. Yeah, the moves they made, the, the things that have fallen apart, Magic Johnson, everything that's gone on there. I'm not the only one to say this either. I, I feel like I, it wasn't even my original thought. I read it somewhere and then like after looking at some things, like, yeah, dude, this team is. You've never had an original it. thought, Keith. Come on. <laughs> Brian, what, what are you going to say, Brian? I have to very much disagree. I mean, even last year, they, 
they struck out on everybody except for LeBron James. Like, that's still a good offseason. This year, man, they, they didn't really pull that many other good players except for just, Anthony Davis. Like, if your team is Anthony Davis and, and LeBron and nobody else. I just don't know I think how much. Most, how, many, how many teams right now would trade their entire roster for the Lakers' entire roster, including all the picks? I get what you're saying, but I'm just saying uh, my, my point is I don't know if you're, I'm giving credit to the front office of the Lakers for getting LeBron to L.A. or getting A.D. there. That, so that, that was kind of like the key part of it. And it's, yeah. Yeah, that, and that's very fair. Like, OK, yeah, maybe they got those guys because they're L.A., but you can't but, say but, as, but as far as the bus, as far as Polinka and Magic Johnson and the whole circus of the front office there. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the worst mess in the NBA right now. I would I would say. Have you seen how the Hornets run their team? Have you seen how the Knicks run their team? Have you seen <laughs> Have you seen the Phoenix Suns? They walked in a goat into the GM's office. Oh, I mean, look. God. I mean, so now I will to, okay, Keith, okay. to Keith's point. And last thing on the Lakers, uh, I agree with you, Keith. That organizational competency is not just your market. It's they had three. Uh, number two picks, and what did it turn into? Basically nothing. So, I mean, that's the kind of thing where it's like you have to hit on one or two of those, and they didn't hit on any. I mean, you got D'Angelo Russell, who didn't succeed there, Brandon Ingram, who's gone, Lonzo Ball, who's gone, and that's the kind of thing where it's like that could be if you were not L.A. and you had three number two picks, that would that would make or break your franchise. And but, if it would have been— turned it into AD, though, right? Like two of those players turned into AD. Yeah, I guess, but I mean, there are there are lots of other players they could have selected where maybe they wouldn't have had to give as many draft picks up. They wouldn't have crippled their future as much to get AD, and obviously AD wanted to be there because of LeBron. LeBron wanted to be there because it's LA. So I'm just, again, if we're talking about how do you evaluate organizational competency, I'm, I'm with Keith more on this one. Okay, okay. Let's leave it right there. I love hearing that I'm right. And just Let's do 30 more minutes on the Lakers, guys. <laughs> okay, so... No, I'm done with the Lakers. I don't like them. I like the Blazers. Let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah, got some Blazer questions. Plenty to talk about with the Blazers. First one up here. Uh, we were talking about Whiteside earlier. Will Whiteside finish the season as a Blazer? Yes or no? So, um, I think it all depends on Nurk, right? On Nurk's health? Yeah, yes. Nurk's health. Like, if, if Nurk's, you know, Nurk's... I mean, that was a pretty bad injury, right? And and you you hope that he's going to be back and echo stop. Um, you know, not too late in the season, and at that point, you don't really need Whiteside. Um, the the other part of it is, um, Miami didn't like Whiteside. Like when Miami got traded away, they Miami fans were ecstatic. Um, and and you know, you talk about oh yeah, well he's coming in with to be with Stotts and Dame, which could change him. Well, he was with Spolstra and D Wade too. So it's not that he didn't really have leadership already. And he's, and by the way, he's older than Enos Cantor is. I mean, he's well, not a young buck. He's like 29 years old. So we're, for him to be a really effective blazer, he needs to be a lot better than he was the last couple of years. Well, I, I think that is a possibility though. I, I think the whole, the contract year thing uh, is one thing that is going to be a factor in him trying to maybe play up. And as far as his position in Miami, I can't remember, is it out of bio in Miami or is he over in Phoenix? Yeah, he's the. I think it was kind of similar to what happened with Nurk in Denver, where he was a talented player, but then after they've kind of gotten him into the system, but not quite cemented him there. Along comes Jokic, down in Miami. Whiteside, I think, had a, some really good uh, performance, good production. Then along comes Adebayo, and yeah, maybe he's kind of never quite comfortable after that. His role starts getting diminished, and I, I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong that his production recently has not been what the Blazers need, but I'm just not convinced that that is the that's the 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 real Whiteside that we'll see. I guess, uh, but you know, it's it's it is yet to be seen. But so as far as uh, does he finish the season as a Blazer? You're saying it's really reliant on Nurk's health. Um, if we see Nurk come back, it's assumed I think February or so. Do you see uh, Whiteside like an immediate trade piece before the deadline, or more likely if he performs, is he a backup here for Portland for the rest of the season, or how are you feeling? I would say more likely he's a trade piece, just because he doesn't honestly doesn't really make a ton of sense. I would say 
Um, if he's, but then again, you know, we're, we're, for him to be effective here, he, we have to see a lot of growth. We cannot see the player that we've seen the last couple of years that just doesn't really care and doesn't really do it. So if he's working hard and, and, you know, doing the things he needs to do for the defense, he could be a great guy off the bench. But if he's going to be kind of how he's been and just kind of be, you know, lackadaisical and not really care that much, um, then he, he doesn't he doesn't help that much, right? So it depends on his effectiveness as well. I think but, that I think that Hassan Whiteside is Damian Lillard's greatest test as a leader, and I've said that on a podcast before. I believe that Damian Lillard, I mean, they've already made a big deal that he's reached out to him via text when he first got to the team, right? That he was like, oh, like welcome to the team. He was already friends with Damian CJ, so I think that that all bodes well. I think it bodes well he's in a contract year. And by the way, I think part of the motivation that Dame is going to bring to Whiteside is, look, man, like you want to get paid, I want to help you get paid. Damian Lillard is a businessman. Like, like talk about like the Blazers have not had someone like Damian Lillard in their franchise ever in the history of ever with the music stuff and the shoes stuff and the endorsement. He's going to be in Space Jam. Damian Lillard is a business person and he's going to go, look, Hassan, we want you to succeed here. And obviously we need you to play well, but you want to do that. Because you want to get paid. Let me help you. And I think that that's going to be compelling for him. So for me, I think that maybe maybe we're going to see a career year from him. He's still only, what, like 30 years old. But I also agree that regardless of Nurk's health, I think he is a trade piece. And again, I'm looking at Kevin Love probably coming in. And I'm not saying that I'm super ultra stoked uh, on that. But I think it's very, very possible. Brian, are you going to add something there uh, before I uh, ask you the next one? Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, so I I think the, you know, Dame's the, maybe the best player in our franchise, second team All-NBA player. He's incredible on in it. And I think his, but as I think is the best thing he adds is that locker room presence, that, that you know, that confidence that the team's going to win and people can look at him and he's going to deliver. And Dame deserves all of that. And that's, that's the best thing about him. But once again, D Wade and Eric Spolstra couldn't get that out of Whiteside. You know, that that's... You know, if anybody else can, maybe it is Dame, but that's a, that's a really, really, that's really fair. No, that's I, I, I'm glad you brought that. That is terrifying. One <laughs> thing that might make it less terrifying is that the times that Whiteside, the, the time he's been in Miami, there's been no clear number one best player on the team, right? Dwayne Wade was kind of fading away and then he bounced and he came back. And so maybe Whiteside thought that that was supposed to be him and maybe it was him, yeah. he's coming into Portland. He's not the best player. He's not the second best player. He's probably not even the third best player. Third best player is injured right now. So it's like, I think that he understands that wipe away second and third best. He knows he's not the best. That's Dame, period. Right, right. I mean, I don't think there's any question about that. So maybe that helps. Maybe having that hierarchy helps. But yeah, I'm kind of concerned about that too because Spolstra would be one of those coaches you think would get the best out of him and he just couldn't do it. Right. If he was coming from the Bob, or uh, sorry, the Charlotte Hornets or something like that, okay, maybe that. But yeah, that gives me a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, I, you know, Damian Lillard's greatest test as a leader, like I said. But it's we'll not see. also also it's not fair. Let's say Whiteside doesn't work very hard and doesn't you know doesn't play very well and also I don't think that can say ah oh, Dame didn't get it done. No, it doesn't. I, it doesn't. But I just I mean, 30 year olds. sometimes thirty year olds are thirty year olds. I mean, yeah, yeah, sometimes he's not gonna change. Yeah, and, and to be clear, what I, I'm not saying that Damian Lillard being a good leader is dependent on Whiteside succeeding. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying this is his biggest test, and I, I think it really is. All right, so another test that we got for another player will be Nurkic. When, uh, with him coming back, when he comes back, how how well he comes back, like how much uh, how much production he brings back with him, how long it takes him to kind of get back to 100%. My question, Brian, is will Nurk be a legit starter this season? Not name only, but uh, defining it as like, 
24 or more minutes a game at some point in the season. Yes, absolutely. Cause I think he has to be nice. um, just the way, just the way the Blazers play. I mean, the, the pick and roll between Dame and Nurk is, is one of the most unstoppable plays they have. And part of that is because Nurk can catch it. And if people are doubling and coming in on him, he's able to catch it and make quick reads, either take the dribble or find shooters. He's just a really good passer and playmaker in that. And if, if he's getting paid, replaced with Whiteside, Whiteside cannot do any of that. So, and, and not many people can, not, that's not a knock on Whiteside. Just not many people can do what Nurk can do in the pick and roll as a, as a decider, you know, as a, as a, you know, the second pass coming off of, of Dane's pick and roll pass. So that's a huge part of their offense, you know, obviously including everything else he does from the post and from the defense and defensive sides. But I think he just has to, um, at, at some point, especially, you know, whether it's the playoffs or whatever, um, the Blazers are going to have a, a, a real run at this they need Nurk and they need Nurk to be, be that guy. Yeah, and with the dog paws clicking in the background, I yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no, you're good. I'm just kidding. I, I I agree with Brian that that has to be the way it is, and you're thinking about how much is Nurk going to play when he gets back is probably less relevant than what his role or perceived role will be. My understanding, my sense is the Blazers. I mean, say what you will about Olshay, but I've said this a lot too, where it's like, I value organizational continuity and the Blazers have that, that they have Olshay, they have Stotts, they have Dame. Um, CJ has bought into the vision. They understand that structure and just people knowing what their role is is super important, particularly for someone like Nurk. So I think when he comes back, even if it's not even playing all that much, I think Nurkic is going to start right away. I think what you can see is his getting, him getting eased back in with minutes, right? So he won't be playing big minutes, but he'll be playing at the beginning and he'll be playing at the end. I think that's what you're going to see when he comes back. Do you think he'll play 24 minutes a game at some point, Brennan, or are you just saying he won't even get there? I think he could get there, but again, I think that the number of minutes is less important than what his role is and what he thinks his role is. And I think the Blazers are super, super mindful of that. They want him to feel like he is the guy, so he's going to be starting. I think that's more important than the number of minutes. That's fair. That's fair. Anything to add or moving on to the next one? Uh, I, just, I just say that 60% of him is probably better than any other option, whether it's you know Whiteside or a trade or Collins or anything. You need, you need Nurk for what he can get as long as you're not risking him. We need the Bosnian beast. Okay, uh, so one other thing we need is Dame, obviously, at, at full production as much of the season as possible. But if he is really going to have to carry this team, especially through the, until February, until Nurk is back, uh, and obviously postseason we're going to rely on him a lot, will Dame, well, I guess postseason won't matter for this, but will Dame make first team All-NBA this year? Wow. Me, uh, I don't think so because you still got Stephen Harden there. And, um, you know, I, I will put Dame as, you know, up there. If I was going to start a team, Dame would be one of the people that I'd look at to start my team with, but those guys just their usage, you know, the usage of Steph is about to go up, which is kind of right. crazy. About, so he'll probably have better numbers. And then Harden, even though you have uh, Westbrook on that team, Harden's not giving the ball up. His usage is in the <laughs> like, Let's be honest. Um, so those guys are going to put up their numbers unless one of those guys gets, gets, you know, seriously injured. Uh, Dame's probably third, third on that runner up. Unfortunately, I totally agree. And all of the things you just said about Dame having to step up, you could say the same thing about Curry. And I, I, I think Steph Curry, I mean, incoming huge season from him. I think that's completely possible. So, yeah, hey, I, I think Steph could have a huge season, uh, but if the team doesn't succeed, I don't know if he gets the first team all NBA. Cause that, that's media votes, isn't it? The first, the all NBA votes. Yep. Yes. 
Yeah, so if, if that's media votes, I, I feel like it's pretty fair to say that these usually go towards the teams that are on the top end of it. So if Warrior, Warriors are on like, uh, looking like an eighth seed going towards the playoffs, I'm not sure if Steph necessarily gets that same vote. And as far as the Rockets as well, I hear what you're saying as far as Harden is not necessarily going to share the ball, but I'm just not sh- sure how much that's going to work between uh, him and, and Russ out there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not locking it in, but I'm curious about it. Just, and I mean, a couple things. First of all, don't be surprised if the Warriors have more wins than the Blazers this year. Don't be surprised. Oof. And the oh, second thing bro. is, the second thing is <laughs> the eighth seed and the second seed in the West is not going to be separated by very many games. So I, yeah, I, I don't, fair. I don't think that that's going to, unless the Warriors really fail to meet even the expectations of their current construction. Uh, and they're really struggling before clay gets back. Maybe if they're in like the, the, the high thirties, maybe then that that's true. But I, I don't see that happening. I mean, this warriors team, even as currently constructed without clay Thompson right now, they have D'Angelo Russell. I mean, I'm not saying the fits perfect, but that's some talent there. You have Draymond, yeah, yeah. you have Draymond it's greens talent. in better shape. Steph Curry's going to have something to prove. So, I mean, I just, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the warriors um, do pretty well without clay and part of it is just about the way they play right like steph steph has the ball and like steph go do something uh dame doesn't dominate the ball nearly as much as a lot of other point guards in the league and he's he's still better than a lot of point guards that do dominate the league you know stat wise even if he's better and more efficient stuff like that he's just not going to put up the numbers because you know with stott's offense and the way dame you know likes to share the ball and He'll go quarters where you just don't really realize he's there because he's trying to get other people involved and doing some other things. You know, Curry and Harden don't do that. They're just a lot more dominant with the ball per play. So okay, get so. more recognition. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I, I have a qualifier I wanted to ask to see if it changes your mind, but I'm actually going to save this for the next question because it's kind of similar. Will CJ McCollum be an all-star this year? No. No. No, and so it's okay to say no. You guys are acting like I'm crazy. Believe me, these are the preseason questions. We're going to ask it again when when it happens halfway through the season or when they're putting up amazing numbers. We'll see if the answer changes. But yeah, go ahead. Why, why do you think no? It's not not a chance at all. The West just got too strong. Like the West, yeah. so he wasn't a, he wasn't an all star last year, and the West brought in better players. I mean, it's just it's it's if he was in the East, I'd probably argue yes, he's probably going to be an all star. But there's just he's just unfortunately in the wrong league. Well, and by the way, like I hate to point this out, but CJ McCollum last year had one of his worst seasons since he's been a starter. And so he would have to take a meaningful step forward, whether that's how often he gets to the line, whether that's just being more efficient uh, from three, whether it's being a better passer, which is something that was emphasized earlier in his career. doesn't seem like really comes supernaturally to him. I just, unless, unless there's some weird hidden leap in CJ's game that we have not seen yet, I don't think it's ever going to happen for him. Okay. So outside of like an individual leap in their game though. And like, cause you know, again, we could say the same thing about Dame on the last question, as far as if you make first team, if he just suddenly was absolutely blowing the production away, you know, it would be hard to deny, but outside of an individual leap, what if we're talking team success? Like, uh, again, like I was pointing out, I feel like it might be harder for Curry or someone to be a decided first team thing. If their team is not doing, if it's lower in the, in the seating, if, if Blazers get like all the way towards like second seed and are just like having an absolutely crushing season, does that no, change anything? Dude, for okay, I got to put the kibosh on this, Keith. There's no possibility that the Blazers are not going to have a, like a 60 win Atlanta Hawks season where they have four <laughs> four all stars. Look, this is not going to happen. The dynamics no, of the I'm league. Not saying going I'm saying, what would it, would, it, would it take uh, Blazers being a top two seed for CJ, CJ to be an all star, or are you still no, saying no? No, it not, wouldn't not because possible. look, the top two seed doesn't mean anything. If the, it's going to be about if the Blazers are like meaningfully better than every other team in the West. Then maybe, but there's no chance of that happening at all. 
just just remember it's for to be an all-star it doesn't have to be the entire league you just need to get hot early and i think if he was going to make it he'd end up shooting like 45% like over the first couple months you know just some you know from 3 uh just okay. something like they get off to a hot hot really hot start and kind of turns and then they'd of course they'd have to be you know, near the oh, top of the conference. That'd be the oh, only okay. way. Okay, yeah, no, Brian, you're right. If CJ shoots better from three than he ever has in his entire life right, exactly. for half the season, then yes, yes. Okay, so, fair so enough. So it has to be a career year is what we're talking about. Now. So okay, basically the answer is no. And, and, and again, <laughs> the, the, I just, I want to remind people of this because my opinions are correct and Keith's are always wrong. The, the, there <laughs> we is, already know I was right. You said there, yourself. Go ahead. There is no, there's, there's no universe in which the Blazers look so much better than every team in the West that their individual players' accolades get carried with them. There's no chance of that happening. There's way too much talent. There's way too much variance. This is not going to happen. There's a million multiverses, my friend. There are a million multiverses. Okay, so uh, only a million. Thanos could just come along. Thanos could come along and just snap the Warriors out of existence. It'd be crazy. Okay, we'd, so, have, uh, we'd have more important things to worry about than all of the A teams <laughs> and All Star teams if that happened. Then this is also true. Final question, and then Brian, if you want to add any others to the list, we can always do that as well. Uh, but. Okay, so so final question before we get to yours, uh, will what what will uh, Portland seed be in the West? What seed will they finish? Um, so I think the I think the one through seven are set. Unless there's another, unless there's a big injury, you have seven teams that are much better than everybody else. And then for the eight seed, you kind of have what Dallas, Spurs, you know, a couple other teams, Kings, a couple of teams in there. So I definitely definitely top seven. I think I, I'd lock it in, unless there's an injury. Yeah, so you lock in top seven. You're not locking in like home court, though. No, just because Nurk's out. Okay, Nurk's that's out for so long. They, you know, and then um, they have some they have some holes in the roster still. Um, you know, let's yep. just let's just say let's say they when they play against the Lakers, who's guarding LeBron? When they're playing the Clippers, who's guarding Kawhi or Paul George? Because you lost Mo and Aminu, and you didn't replace them with anybody capable of guarding any of those. So their roster structure is weird to me. Um, we already talked about the talent in versus talent out. Um, you have to get really, really good seasons from uh, Simons and Collins, I think, to to even be um, anywhere close to, to home field. A lot of a lot of things have to go really, really well for them to be four or, or better. So I I probably put them six ish in my guess, maybe seven, but definitely not lower than seven. Okay, I'm- okay, I'll take that. Yeah, I mostly agree with that. And I also want to, so I'm not going to add too much to that, but I want to remind people, and this is a crappy thought, and I hate to say it, I, 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 you hate to see it, the Blazers could miss the playoffs. They, they're, they're one injury away. They're one, you know, 35-game stretch without Dame or CJ away from dropping out of the playoffs. Or they're even, I mean, here's the really aw- the awful thought, not awful because you don't want to see injuries. Let's say that every team in the West <clears throat> doesn't suffer a major injury to one of their like super key players. You could have a lot of really, really good teams not making the playoffs. I mean, I, there's a universe in which sure. Dallas is slightly better than expected. If Chris Tapps comes back and Luka Doncic takes a step forward, like that's not the worst team in the world. You're talking about Denver has Michael Porter Jr. waiting in the wings. Utah got a lot better. The goal, the war. And so like, I'm just saying like, there's a universe in which the Blazers are healthy. And they don't make the playoffs and that would be weird, but it's possible. So just don't, don't feel too surprised if that happens. It is possible. It's on the table. It, there's a million multiverses. It's possible. It's just not not going to happen in this one. Uh, I, I said that was no, the last no, 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 no. Hold on, no, no. We're not going to do this false equivalency. The the chances, <laughs> the chances of the Bla- here. Okay, here's here's the take. The chances of the Blazers missing the playoffs is infinitely higher than CJ making the All Star team. 
Lock that in. There is okay. way better chance of the Blazers missing the playoffs than of CJ making the all-star team. I agree I to that. Agree what's a, that. What, Brandon, what's, bad, what's a better possibility for you? Is it the Blazers miss the playoffs or get home court? Ah, uh, wow. <sighs> I'm going to go with getting home court. I, I think the Blazers, there is, there, I think that Damian Lillard's leadership and like the Stotts making players better somehow, I think that there's an, in the growth from Simons and Collins. I think there's enough in there where you could say there's a ceiling higher than home court that's pretty comfortable, so I'll go with that. I think that's, that's what I'd say as well. All right, so uh, I had I had said that that was the last question, but I lied because this it all started when I had said that we we're going to come back to the uh, the win totals. So the one other prediction I want to get is let's get you know at least a small range, but I'd prefer to get a number locked on uh, what is your win total prediction. Just again to, to give some preface for the listeners, uh, Bleacher Report has Portland seventh in the West at forty five wins. ESPN has forty wins, uh, eighth in the West. Five thirty eight said forty wins, eleventh in the West. Westgate and Vegas had forty six and a half uh, over under, seventh in the West, and Caesars over under was forty eight and a half, sixth in the West. So Brian, with that information as far as the the betting in the sports books, where do you uh, put your preseason bet? Forty four. 44. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to roll 43. 43. God, you guys are, you guys are haters. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, 44 and 43 is fair. And it, it is, it's a, it's a thick West. I'm more on the side of, I, I'm, I'm going to say 47 uh, as the preseason thing. I think it could get better once we see how this kind of works with white side, but I think 46, 40, I think 46 and a half that over under from Westgate. Uh, I'm taking the over on that. I think that was good all day. That is the last question I had. Brian, did you have one to add in there before uh, we get you out of here? Um, not for a time crunch. I'll, I'll let it. I'll let it be. Oh no! Throw, throw one in. We'll, we'll uh, we can answer it for other people later. Just uh, it doesn't have to be a long one. Just, just we'll we'll give quick ones and we'll uh, throw this to other listeners. Get, give it to us. What you got? A real quick scenario. Uh, Anthony Simons. We talked about him and his hype, which I apparently Brandon agrees. Um, I think is a little overhyped. What people are saying, but his talent is undeniable. Let's just say he he plays really well. He dominates. Um, he needs more men, minutes and CJ struggles. Is Ooh. there any possibility this year that CJ gets traded because Anthony? That is interesting. Oh man. I, that, wow. I like that question. See, I'm so glad. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that on. That's, that's an excellent one. Uh, I'm using this time to stall as I think of my answer. Uh, I feel like with CJ getting his three year hundred mil extension right now, that might make it hard to trade. I think that makes him a little, at least this season, it makes it uh, harder for the Blazers to trade him away. But I feel like this could definitely be a more, a more of a possibility next year. Like if we see a really good development year from Ant this year and next year he's kind of ready for those reins, I could see CJ get moved. I don't know if I would really put it as very likely. I would say it's more likely that we miss the playoffs than that happens, but I don't think we're missing the playoffs either, so. Was part of your scenario that CJ struggles a little bit? Was that part of what you said, Brian? Struggles, struggles mightily, yeah. I think the deal is that if he struggles mightily, you're not going to be able to trade him. So it's it's cool that CJ is under team control for so long now. But the other piece is look at the teams around the league that need a player like CJ McCollum who's not – He's never proven himself to be like a bona fide full-time ball handler, right? So you're looking for teams who either want to take a chance on him or, or need like an off guard. That position is pretty well full and flushed in the NBA. And so there aren't that many teams that I can see that have utility for a player like CJ, particularly if he's struggling and he's on this giant contract. I just don't see it happening. So in your scenario, I think it makes it harder to trade him, actually. That's fair. Um, one more question, and then I'll, I'll done, I'm done with the questions. Cool, you're good. <laughs> what do you guys think? Okay, so we're, are we going to assume that Zach Collins is starting power forward for next year? I think yes. so. Yeah. 
I'd like to hear guys' thoughts on that, where your comfort level is is there. It, it's, it's definitely one of the holes we got. Uh, I, I think it's going to be one of these things where, it, it, again, like we, we talked about Aminu uh, being one of the biggest losses going into the season. I think that is going to be one of the real uh, uh, X factors. If he can prove any sort of metal at the starting four spot, we're good. I I feel like it's going to be one of those spots though, that we do kind of look to shore up. I'm not really sure if I want to count on Tolliver uh, to be able to kind of come in there and, and take too much of the stress off him. So, yeah, I, I feel like that's one of the spots that we got to be looking around somewhere for uh, what, that 15th roster spot. Yeah, and I think it actually doesn't matter how comfortable I am with it because that's what's going to happen. It has to. And also the Blazers have, you know, they have development equity in Collins. They really want to see him get better and succeed. They made moves not just to help him have like a runway to get more minutes, but I think partially because of that. And keep in mind, Collins, he has a lot of defensive versatility. When you watch him play, his awareness is very, very good defensively. He can move very, very well. He's not afraid of anything. And yeah, he's a little bit skinny, but he could be a very good defensive player. He could play five. He could play four. He could even switch out to three. I think he's mobile enough to do that. Beyond that, it's getting super, super shaky. But so I think that because of that, if that's what he's been working on, and it's it's so unfortunate that he sprained his ankle because he really really needs to work on his body but if he comes back in year three and he takes that year three leap and he's a little bit better defensively I think that's a really really good thing for the Blazers and then it's not so scary that he's starting but I think again my comfort level doesn't really matter because that's what's gonna have to happen was that your little one saying hello there that was my little one yeah very very (laughs) cute man yeah (laughs) Uh, so, so you guys feel okay with him being the guy who's guarding AD or LeBron or Kawhi? I'm not saying I feel okay with it. I'm just <laughs> saying there's not, I mean, what else are you going to, that's what, that's what we have. I mean, that's what yeah. you're going to have to do. I, there, there's, there's not much else there. So yeah, it's gotta okay. feel okay with it. It's what we're rolling with right now. It's going to be trial by fire for sure. Uh, maybe Whiteside can help kind of shore up some of that with the individual defense, or I don't really know where that's going to go from there. But uh, that's an excellent question you bring up, though, man. I do really appreciate it. And I'm going to make sure to keep that on for all of our other guests, and we're going to talk about that more what, what, next what, time we get you back here. One more Hopefully thing on Collins. Next year. Yeah, one more thing on <laughs> Collins, though. You said, like, for example, how do you feel about him guarding AD? Actually, Zach Collins with more muscle and more NBA experience, I'm more or less okay with that. I mean, how many players can guard AD? anyway how many players are there in the league that can really guard anthony davis and actually zach collins again given his awareness and his foot speed and his aggressiveness like that's not the worst thing in the world since he's kind of thin right now so yeah i'm getting talking talk myself into it okay 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 i mean mean, look at do you want you want okay do you want aminu guarding ad like what you want harkless guarding ad it's like who do we have that could guard him anyway I'd, I'd prefer Aminu, definitely. <laughs> fine, okay. Yeah, like, right now, today, fine. I mean, that's fine. But I'm just saying, like, if you talk oh, yeah, about... development? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, part, that's part of this, too, where it's like, we're, as Blazers fans, I'll just speak, speak for myself, I am hoping that there's some development room for growth. And if Zach Collins is a little bit bigger, a little bit more savvy, long-term, I mean, talk about maybe in two or three years, I'd much rather have Collins guarding AD than Aminu. So you said you're hoping uh, that he makes those strides. I'm going to take that one forward. I'm going to say he has to. Like yeah. That's kind of the position the Blazer in. He has to make extreme strides that are outside of kind of his his learning curve um, for the Blazer to be good if he's going to be that starting power forward, especially when there's not really a, a solid three man on that, or I, oh, I guess Hood there, but he's not really a defend, great defensive player either. We're really, I mean, we're really Blazers fans, me included, are banking on that third year leap being like a real thing where it's like he just, <laughs> he just somehow takes like a 15% bump up. That'd be great. We don't I know, know that. that. Yeah. 
I don't share your optimism, but I, I hope so even more. <laughs> Very fair. You got to get on the optimism train. We definitely, uh, we, we are we are captains or what, conductors, there we go, of the optimism optimism train around here. Uh, but thank you, Brian, for those questions again. We will make sure to get those on for the other listeners. We will get you back in here before the next year goes by uh, to ask you again your, maybe your opinion changes halfway through the season. We'll see how that goes. Listeners, let us know what you think. Write us at Trailcasters on Twitter, IG, and Facebook, or email us at trailcasters at gmail.com. Brian, thank you again, man, for coming on here. The first time, first guest we had, as well as the 100th episode today. If listeners wanted to get a hold of you, what is the best way to do so? Uh, just Twitter. Brian Freeman 24 is the best way. Um, also, you can see my stuff on Blazer's Edge. Excellent. Thank you so much, man. Brian Freeman of Blazer's Edge. Always a pleasure having you. You guys are awesome, man. Happy 100 to both of you guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Welcome back. Let us know what you think about that epic segment with Brian Freeman. Shout out to him. Thank you again, Brian, for coming out, not only on our 100th episode today, but all the way back on our first episode two years ago. It's been an awesome, awesome time. And as you can tell, I am still jazzed about this whole thing. Uh, yeah, let us know what you think. Write us at Trailcasters on Twitter, IG, and Facebook, or email us at trailcasters at gmail.com. Quick shout out to our sponsors as well, Andy Adventures and Clearly Speaking. If you need some help with your speaking skills, go and have a chat with Brennan Nuckton over at Clearly Speaking. She is a licensed speech and hearing pathologist. She can help you with all sorts of things from stutters, uh, being tongue-tied, any sort of accent reduction, voice fatigue, anything else you're dealing with. Check out clearlyspeakingorgan.com. Also go see Corey over at NV Adventures. That is E-N-V-I Adventures.com. He's got some great deals going for flights all around Portland, whether that's uh, scenic flights or charter flights locally. Uh, and some really good deals. He's even got a wheel on his webpage uh, to give you some nice discounts. So go and check out NV Adventures, E-N-V-I Adventures.com and clearlyspeakingorgan.com. All right, and now for listener questions. We're going to be trying something a little bit different tonight. Brandon and I were separate for that A block, together for the B block with Brian Freeman there, and now we are separated again by the summer scheduling for C block. Uh, so we are going to be taking these listener questions separately from each other, and I don't know what his answers are going to be. I cannot play off him at all and just say, yes, I agree, or anything like that. So I don't know if you guys are going to hear some repeated answers, uh, maybe to reinforce a point. Uh, hopefully it's not too redundant. Or if you're going to hear us totally disagree with you, each other and not even be able to argue or interrupt so uh, we'll see how this goes let us know what you think as always write us at trailcasters on twitter ig and facebook or trailcasters at gmail.com question number one from look at this dog at apocalypse plocks i believe is how he's gonna pronounce that he asks do you think people who worry about Whiteside and his attitude are valid in their worries will stotts lillard mccollum and the rest of the guys need to coach him around the culture or does he look forward to the culture we have making it a non-issue uh we kind of addressed this in the talk with Brian as well. I think this is really the big question that's going to be asked this season as far as Whiteside's performance. I think it's uh, his attitude and how he approaches the culture in Portland is critical for for whether we're going to see kind of someone who's going to flame out a bit after what we've already seen happen in Miami or if we're going to see him really produce for us the way we need and possibly even the point that we don't want to let him go. Uh, Do I think... People are valid in their worries. Yeah, I, I think this is a legit concern. I think this is the issue surrounding Whiteside. Uh, now, do I personally think it's going to be a problem? No. I think, uh, like you mentioned, Stotts, Lillard, and McCollum as well, but mostly Stotts and Lillard, I think, have instilled such a culture up here. And you know what? Even beyond those two, I'm not trying to discredit McCollum, but I don't know if he has as much do with, to do with that culture. Uh, maybe he does because he's close to Whiteside, but I also think Nurk, uh, especially when he's back on the team, he could play a role as the other big man seeing what Nurk and Whiteside do, seeing if they can get along and if, if Whiteside can see Nurkic 
comfortable in the culture up here, that could go a long way uh, towards helping him kind of find his place as well. Brandon, what do you think about that? Why, Keith, naturally, I agree with every word you just said. Very interesting answer, sir. Very interesting indeed. I don't know exactly what you said, although I guess you can know my answers at this point. So this kind of seems unfair. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, Keith, don't worry, for I am a robot that you have programmed to agree with all of your perfectly correct opinions. But moving on, question number two from support Amy McGrath at PNW Heathen. A uh, quick aside, too. Shout out for the name. Amy McGrath is a former Marine fighter pilot and mother taking on M- Mitch McConnell uh, for office now. She's a 20-year uh, military Marine vet, 89 missions flown, including she was the first woman to fly the F-18 fighter in combat. So shout out to Amy McGrath and shout out to PNW Heathen for the following question. How important is it that Dame and CJ start cutting back on minutes in order to save up some energy for another deep run? And a uh, quick Part B, I guess, odds that Stotts would even do this. So, very good question, PNW Heathen. Uh, I think it's extremely important that Damon CJ start cutting back on minutes. We've talked about this before on the podcast in years past. Uh, I did see that Dame last year, he played 35 and a half minutes a game. That's about a minute less than he did the previous season. And this is kind of, it was his career low. So, on one hand, you want to think that maybe. Stotts and the team and the NBA in general are starting to realize that the minutes are a major factor and limiting those minutes early would be a big benefit for Dame and CJ both going down the stretch. So I would hope that we do see it, but kind of as you allude to with part B of your question, we all know Stotts' reputation. Again, I don't want to be too hard on Stotts. I don't think he is nearly as set in stone about this as we like to act like he is as fans. But uh, yeah, I, I would hope... So last year, Dame averaged 35 and a half minutes a game. I would like to see that at 34. It's not going to happen. We're not going to drop a minute and a half, but it would be cool if it did. Brandon, how about you? Uh, how many minutes a game should Dame and CJ be playing? Well, Keith, I think it would be cool if they dropped about a minute and a half, but I don't think it's going to happen because of Terry Stotts, and Terry Stotts is the coach of the Portland Trailblazers, the coach of the Portland Trailblazers who decides the minutes. Well, I may totally disagree or agree with whatever you just said that I have no idea of, but I respect your right to say it. Uh, uh, uh. There you go again, Keith. Remember, I am a robot that you have programmed to agree with all of your perfectly correct opinions. Question number three, Blazers in five at Justin B. Leak asks, who gets more minutes, Hazonia or Tolliver? And then he puts in for, for reference, Tolliver is getting up there, but Hazonia isn't a shooter. That is really what this hinges on, too. Hazonia isn't a shooter, and Tolliver is almost purely a three-point shooter. Uh, last couple of years for Tolliver, he's taken about four shots a game, six shots a game, five and a half shots per, a game, and almost all of those, like three and a half or four and a half, uh, three and a half and almost four each of those years, are from three-point range. So almost all of his shots are exclusively from deep, and that is something that we need. Obviously, we've talked, again, we've talked plenty before about how the Blazers in years past have needed more shooters, more spacing around the floor, and as Whitehead said, we got shooters! And yeah, so I, I, I think Tolliver is definitely one of those more than Hazonia is. The other side of it, of course, is Hazonia is a much younger talent uh and i think with the kind of the gap that we have uh in the front court especially at the four he could be really useful if he's looking good if he's looking good is the big key of that uh, i think overall what we'll probably see is Tolliver playing more minutes early maybe and more minutes maybe when we get in trouble maybe down the clutch uh but i think we're going to try and give hazonia as much exposure as we can 
And actually, when you look at the minutes, too, I'm pulling these up right now. The last uh, couple seasons, Hazonia last year played 20.8 minutes a game, 22 minutes the game, uh, season before, and 14.8 the season before. So his last two years, though, 20 and 22 minutes a game. Anthony Tolliver, despite being the NBA veteran and this guy who's kind of bounced around and hasn't really had a spot, played 16 minutes a game last year in Minnesota, 22 minutes the year before that in Detroit, 22 minutes the year before that in Sacramento, 18 in Detroit before that. So... He he may be we may see him as an older vet, but he he can still perform on the court. He's earning himself minutes out there. I'd be shocked if he played eighteen or twenty for us because I think we are trying to get more run for the younger guys. But uh, he's probably going to get fifteen to eighteen a game, and if Hazonia is not performing, that might kind of skew more towards uh towards the vet. And Brandon, for our third and final question, what do you think is Hazonia or Tolliver going to see more of the floor for the Blazers this next season? We may see Anthony Tolliver as an older vet, but he can still perform on the court. That's why I believe he will get 15 to 18 minutes a game, and it may affect the minutes of Mario Hazonia on the court, on the basketball court where they play basketball. All right. Well, I have no idea what Brandon's answers were, but I'm sure you listeners all know that my answers were better. Keith, that is an odd statement to make, considering that you programmed me to agree with all of your opinions. That must mean that I am not programmed to agree with all of your opinions. If you think that your opinions are better than my opinions, which are programmed to be your opinions, therefore, I believe my opinions are superior to your opinions, even though they are programmed to be your opinions. Thank you for listening, and remember, you can write us at any time about anything, preferably Blazers. Uh, We are here to take all questions and that information. To send us those questions would be at Trailcasters on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at Rip City Keith for myself, or at Golden or PDX for all of the angry mail. Uh, trailcasters at gmail.com is our email. We do take those. We love them. Please send them in as much as possible. Or go straight to our website at trailcasters.com, now with writing, or soon to be so, with many articles from uh, ourselves and other featured writers. Please, if you are finding our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or any of the other search engines or whatever you want to call them that use ratings please we love those five stars always appreciated the lovely music you're hearing right now you can find at soundcloud.com slash odar beats as always please support your local beat makers and please support envy adventures enviadventures.com and clearly speaking oregon.com in closing your honorable listeners that's it that is our 100th show thank you brandon goldner as always thank you to odar for these fat beats thank you to our sponsors energy adventures and clearly speaking and i am now going to read off through all the guests that we have had on the show because they deserve it Thank you to Brandon Scoopy Robinson, Ann Peterson, Jacob Niffin, Travis Demers, Lee Ellis, Varun Bose, Dave Deckard, Doug Patrick, Dave DeFore, Grant Barker, Alex Haig, Danny Morang, Neela Madison, Preston Ellis, Ian Carmel, Brandon Sprague, Kevin Pelton, Nate Duncan, Matt Cisneros, Casey Holdall, Ben Golver. Thank you, Jared Cowley, Chris Burkhart, Ryan Witte, Dustin Hawes, Matt George Moore, David McKay, uh, Eric Gunderson, Ty Delbers, Jamie Hudson, uh, Abdikalis Mohammed, Evan McCarthy, Eric Griffith, Mikey Weisenberg, Tara Bowen Big, Dylan Sage, and of course, Brian Freeman, who joined us again today. Thank you all, and thank you listeners for a great listening so many times over. We hope you enjoyed your Blazers. We hope you enjoyed your Rip City basketball and our 100 episodes. And please stay tuned for the next 100 episodes of the Trailcasters. and I would make 100 more just to be the robot that makes 100 podcasts to fall down at your
door when I'm working. Yes, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the robot who's working hard for you. And when the money comes in for the work I do, I'll pass almost every penny on to you. Happy 100 episodes.